This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, episode number 226. The director is the only person who knows what the film is about. Sanjay Ray. Broadcasting from a dark, windowless room in Hollywood, when we really should be working on that next draft. It's the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, showing you the craft and business of screenwriting while teaching you how to make your screenplay bulletproof. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. If you've ever wanted to learn how to get those top-level meetings in Hollywood and cut through those gatekeepers, I have a masterclass that's coming online that can help you. It's called the Decision Maker Meetings Masterclass, and it will teach you how to get top decision makers at networks without pitch decks or warm intros, how to create an authentic profile that gets investors and executives reaching out to you, how to get meaningful intro Zoom meetings with high-level executives that can take your career to the next level, and so much more. All you need to do to access this free masterclass is head over to IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash green light. Now, today's show is sponsored by Bulletproof Script Coverage. Now, unlike other script coverage services, Bulletproof Script Coverage actually focuses on the kind of project you are and the goals of the project you are. So we actually break it down by three categories, micro-budget, indie film market, and studio film. There's no reason to get coverage from a reader that's used to reading tentpole movies when your movie's going to be done for $100,000. And we wanted to focus on that at Bulletproof Script Coverage. Our readers have worked with Marvel Studios, CAA, WME, NBC, HBO, Disney, Scott Free, Warner Brothers, The Blacklist, and many, many more. So if you need your screenplay or TV script covered by professional readers, head on over to CoverMyScreenplay.com. Today's show is also sponsored by Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, how to turn your independent film into a profitable business. It's harder today than ever before for independent filmmakers to make money with their films. From predatory film distributors ripping them off to huckster film aggregators who prey upon them, the odds are stacked against the indie filmmaker. The old distribution model of making money with your film is broken and there needs to be a change. The future of independent filmmaking is the entrepreneurial filmmaker or the film entrepreneur. In Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, I break down how to actually make money with your film projects and show you how to turn your indie film into a profitable business. With case studies examining successes and failures, this book shows you the step-by-step method to turn your passion into a profitable career. If you're making a feature film, series, or any other kind of video content, the Film Entrepreneur method will set you up for success. The book is available in paperback, ebook, and of course, audiobook. If you want to order it, just head over to www.filmbizbook.com. That's filmbizbook.com. Now, guys, today on the show, we have directing team Henry and Rel. That's Rel Schulman and Henry Joust. And their career has taken some really interesting turns over the last decade. They came out of the gate with a documentary called Catfish that was all the rage at Sundance. And then after that, they had a trouble finding a job until a little-known producer named Jason Blum chose them to direct Paranormal Activity 3 and then 4. They went on to direct movies like Nerve, Viral, the Netflix film Project Power with Jamie Foxx, 
and their newest film, Secret Headquarters, for the legendary producer, Jerry Bruckheimer, for Paramount Plus, starring Owen Wilson. And Rel and Henry and I had a fantastic conversation about how they got their start doing bar mitzvah videos and wedding videos and the hustle that they had to go through to get to where they are today without question. They are extremely talented filmmakers and I love their new movie, Secret Headquarters, which is a family film, which is something you don't normally see from Catfish and Paranormal Activity to kids' family film. So if you have kids, they will definitely enjoy this. It's going to be available on Paramount+. Plus this week. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Rel and Henry. I'd like to welcome to the show Rel Schumann and Henry Joost. How you guys doing? Hi. Good. Good. Oh, How are you? Good, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. I've been I've been watching your stuff for years, man. You know, back in the catfish days. Back mm-hmm. in the catfish days. So uh you know very first question I asked for you guys why in God's green earth did you want to get into this insanity that is the film industry? <laughs> oh God, I, I don't think we're any good at anything else. <laughs> I, at this point, I don't, yeah, I don't know how to do anything else. That's, but so it was, how a, did you, it was how, a huge mistake and, and now I can't back out. <laughs> right, we should have gotten a real job somewhere else doing something. Yeah. <laughs> no, so how did you guys get in? How did you uh, get started? It was a long, it was a, a complex road. But I think we, I think it started out as being just kids who loved uh, movies growing up. And then at some point there was the realization that like, there were people who actually do that as a job. They make movies, which totally blew my mind Mm -hmm. at some point, you know, when I was like, I think I was 16 or something. And I met somebody who was a video producer Mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, so, so there are real people who work in this business and like, that's something you could pursue. Um, I per I personally became an editor, and um, and that's when Rel and I met in high school, and we were both. I was kind of like interested in video, experimenting with video editing and shooting stuff in high school and making films, little short films and stuff with my friends. And Rel and I met in our we met in high school, but we really connected in our early twenties. We both had a job at this uh, public access TV station called Plum TV. And that was our summer job uh, between, you know, like when we were in college and we were, it was this kind of wild uh, place where we were as, you know, 21 year olds given the responsibility to like, they were like, uh, you can make your own show. So I made a show about um, Hampton's nightlife and (laughs) Rel made like a kind of a restaurant conversation show. Mm-hmm. And oh, and also a, like a plastic surgery show, right? Yeah, a beauty makeover show, Hampton yeah. stuff, which was just was <laughs> crazy. Nice, very, it's st- very creepy. stunning. How the how the academy didn't recognize your work back then. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were, they were like, they were like, you guys, uh, you know, you can write, direct, shoot, edit everything your own half hour show, and but you have to turn it in every week. So we were like, we had this crazy experience, which was make tr- making a half hour show in one week all by yourself and we kind of commiserated over that and um you know started having our ideas of our own like i hope this is not our future to make you know um plastic surgery shows and and stuff like that like like what else can can we do so we started making documentaries and kind of branching out on our own and eventually formed uh, a production company which we still have supermarche which we started in 2007. Very cool, guys. But yeah. I always wanted to ask, you know, directing teams. Um, I've had a few directing teams on the show, and I love asking this question. How the hell do you do it, Matt? Because I've been directing for 20 odd years, and I can't understand how, like, wh- what, like, do what, does somebody handle the camera? Does someone handle the actors? Or, do, you know, do you guys just ask all the time, like, what do you think? What do you think? Like, how do you actually work together as a directing team? You know, like, think about if you were on, on vacation with your wife mm-hmm. and and kids, and you had like fifty to to a hundred kids. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, my my ass just puckered there for a second, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> and there's a, and there's a you got to figure out how to how to get out of the airport, get onto a train, and check into a complicated hotel. Sure. Uh, and there's something wrong with your reservation. How do you split that with your with your wife? 
you kind of just figure it out. You both have extraordinary, you know, total responsibility and you got to work together as a team. And you've been, uh, and you've been together for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys know each other so well at this point that I'm assuming it's just secondhand, you know, yeah. you just know, oh, this shot's this or that shot's that, or I, you both have, and you both have similar sensibilities at this point. Yeah. I yeah. Think so. I think we, we have to it. Otherwise so, it wouldn't work. So then at what point? I have to believe just like my wife and I, uh, there's disagreements. So how do you guys handle those disagreements or when you're creatively not exactly on the same page? We well, try to disagree only in private. Smart. We never, never in front of the kids. Dis- never in, never front of the kids. in front of the kids. Never in front of the kids. No. That's right. Especially that causes trauma. That causes lifelong kids. trauma. <laughs> you know what? It's so funny, but that's what we, my wife and I do. We're like, we will back each other in front yes. of the kids. But the second the door closes to the bedroom, I can't believe. (laughs) We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. And now back to the show. I'm like, I know. Let's have a conversation. But that's just like an unspoken rule. You never do it in front of the kids. So that's similar to you guys? As yeah. Well? Oh, yeah. We, we're in production meetings. And and like one of us will say, like, I'll say, I want a million balloons in this scene. And somebody is like, Rel, that's what you got. Like, that's what both of you guys want. And Rel's like, yep, we definitely want a million balloons. And then the door, everybody leaves and the door closes. And he's like, what the fuck were you talking about? We didn't talk about that. We never agreed. A million. Have a million ba- isn't yeah. a million excessive? Um, <laughs> and then you go back the next day. Yeah, yeah. Then you go back the next day. You're like, you know, we we, we, we talked about it. You know, ten thousand balloons is fine. Yeah, <laughs> two. It's two million, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. but you can you can uh, appear as extremely collaborative and reasonable if we come back the next day and say, you know, what we were right. looking at the whole budget. Ah, uh, realized as yeah. filmmakers we could achieve what Henry was so <laughs> right to. <laughs> to want with less balloons <laughs> obviously, and, better, obviously. and better, better craft service. Very cool. <laughs> so, um, so you made this, you know, one of those seminal movies of uh, the early two thousands, which is catfish. I remember when catfish came out, uh, yeah. the documentary, and it was a freaky ass, just freaky film. And it was wonderful. And you got into Sundance. Thank what you. was that whole experience of making that film and then getting it to Sundance, which I'm assuming that was, a, was that the first time you guys were in Sundance? Mm-hmm. That was oh, yeah. our first feature film. Right. So then what's yeah. that? So you, out of the gate, you get into Sundance with this documentary that's, you know, sets the world on fire a bit. Um, what is, what was that whole experience like? It was awesome. It was wild. It was, awesome. Yeah. It was an awesome <laughs> roller coaster. We got a little spoiled, I think, because we never... Yeah. You know, we we both of us grew up so disconnected from the film industry, and like we didn't really know anybody who worked in the film industry, and didn't hadn't been to Sundance, and didn't. I don't even know if we'd ever been to a film festival. Like, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. And I've been to the East Village Film Festival, which is just like Sundance but different. Yeah, like right. Sundance, but no, it doesn't snow. Exactly. Uh, and there was you know, so so we kind of didn't know what to expect. 
And we had these great, we had two great uh, guides in, in the experience, which were uh, uh, Andrew Jarecki and Mark Smerling, who were the producers of, of uh, capturing the Freedmen's. And they were, they were, they became producers on Catfish after we'd made it. Cause we were just like, what do we do with this? We don't, we made this movie and we have this like pretty good rough cut that we showed when we showed our friends, they're like, I can't believe this. Is this real? Like, this is insane. What, what do we do now? And they were like, okay, so you go, go to Sundance and here's how it works. And, you know, and you get, get a phone? really warm, really warm jacket. Oh yes, we could we, we could have a whole episode on what, how to prepare for Sundance yeah, in Park City. Yeah. Long yeah. underwear, long underwear. underwear. Stay Good hydrated. So Real socks, thermal socks, not yep. not tube socks. No, not <laughs> tube socks and uh, waterproof boots. There's a lot and, of slushing around, and they never tell you about the altitude, do they? Like you walk no. 15 feet and you're like. <gasps> yeah but if you're getting good reviews it's a little easier to deal with it's a little it's a slight bit easier to deal with (laughs) um so So there was so that i I mean i'll never forget that i really feel like that was the moment our careers began in in earnest as future filmmakers and it was but less than five minutes after the first screening which was a 10 a.m screening at the library and 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 at sundance um and uh a woman comes up to us, Rowena Arguelles, who's an agent at CAA, and she was the agent of Andrew Jarecki and Mark Smerling, our producers. And so there was some familiarity and some, I guess, trust, because otherwise we had no idea what that world looked like or who to talk to or who to trust or what agency or anything. And there was just someone we are who knew someone we knew. Um, and we said, All right, we'll sign with you. Um, <laughs> And that day we had agents and that's the, and and we've been there ever since. And they've helped us like forge a path as uh, working movie directors, which is not something we even really planned for or, or had, or had totally clearly seen for ourselves. It's fascinating that, I mean, you guys kind of like, I mean, you obviously had been directing and working hard and, and hustling to get to where you were, but when you got to Catfish, it was kind of like, all right, what do we do with this? And you yeah. just kind of like felt like, oh, you go to Sundance. Sure, submit to Sundance, get into Sundance, get an agent at CAA. It sounds like, yeah, this is just what you do. It's extremely difficult, everything that you've just said. <laughs> and you guys were at the, the right place the, at the right time with the right product. Alex, the, the 10 years leading up to that, and it, listen, it hasn't been easy since. The hustle never <laughs> stops. Right. But the 10 years leading up to that were, I mean, two, three, all night, multiple all-nighters every week to make as many videos and to get better and better at our craft as possible. And that was, uh, that was the public access TV shows like Henry was talking about, but it was like an extraordinary amount of wedding videos, bar mitzvah videos, industrial films, anything, anything in New York wanted on film uh, and desired a finished product. We said yes. Um, And partially it was to make money. I think neither of us wanted another job. We wanted this to be the job. Uh, and the only way for that to work and to cover rent every month, which we were doing by like a matter of hours at the end of every month, um, <laughs> was just to make and make and make. And we ended up buying our own equipment. We ended up, we had a storage locker with a couple cameras, uh, a couple computers, sound equipment, lighting equipment. And that equipment is what allowed us to shoot and pay for catfish on our own. And they and, and there you go. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's 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 you were an overnight a ten year overnight success, basically. Is what you're right. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, we we just we yeah we had done the legwork to be. We were prepared for the for that incredible opportunity to fall in our laps. That the opportunity being just the story right. of catfish unfolding in front of us. Like we we knew what we knew enough of what we were doing to capture the story. You know, and then we took a really long time trying to figure it out in the edit. And we had a, our friend, Zach Stewart Pontier, uh, who had been working on all of our other weird stuff that we were doing. Like, we we directed the the recruitment video for Harvard Business School. Like, that was like, it was like That's that awesome. and like weddings and pharmaceutical videos and like the strangest stuff, like just anything, anything. Just- you anything said yes to everything. Yeah. And I said yes to everything too when I was starting. Everything. Yeah. Anything. Anything that came along as I was an editor and a director. Anything that showed up. I just anything. Did. I mean, I made I did promos for Matlock. Uh hey, that's a good one. 
That's for like six gig. months working yeah, as, a, as a freelancer. It's a great, it was, no, I was getting paid well, but my soul was dying with every edit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I'll tell you the so, toughest, toughest clients I, we ever had were, um, but also the most loyal were the Jewish mothers for the bar mitzvah videos, mm-hmm. bat mitzvah videos. Mm-hmm. And that prepared us for the studio executives like <laughs> nothing else. It made, it made dealing with, studio heads piece of cake a bit, no, exactly yeah. so yeah you, you, you don't want to mess with a jewish mother on, yeah. the, bar, on the bar mitzvah day. Oh, or a bride <laughs> rel rel was once accused of ruining a bride's life yeah oh god Jesus. yeah i don't know what you could imagine when he says that but all it really was was i didn't get enough footage of her coming down the aisle which was a mistake my camera was <laughs> pointed enough. in the wrong direction there was two of us that we were both shooting the groom and then we saw each other we're like, oh, shit, one of us needs to point that way. And we tried to fake it in the edit by slowing it down, cutting away and then coming back. Uh, Reusing the same moment. footage. Yeah. And they're and like, this out. she was like, is that all you have? Because that's not enough. That was a long aisle. I got, aisle. I, got one, like, I got one better for you. I yeah. did a, I did a wedding uh, as a favor because I never did wedding videos because um, I just never got into that. But I did a wedding as a favor and I shot like the, I don't know, the bride party or something like the the, 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 the dinner or whatever, the pre-dinner thing. And uh, I was shooting, I was just got a new, a new photo camera. It was all film. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to use this really high speed film. I'm not going to use flash. Oh no. Oh Dude, no. It was black. <laughs> oh, no. Whole, I, so I was the only thing oh. shooting it. Look, you guys are uh, both just like, oh, oh, it's dude. Uh, and it was a friend of mine, and and I was the best man at that wedding. Uh, so the 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 uh, the bride just just she wanted to kill me. She's like, you ruined. I have no photos of that day. That was. But pretty- she didn't know until a week, at least a week later. Though. A week later, because you had to yeah. film uh, all that stuff, and I was just like, how do I? Ooh, that's brutal. And this is before iPhone, so there was literally no. Yeah, coverage. There's nothing of that night. It was like I was the photo. So I feel you, bro. I feel yeah, you. I've, yeah. I've ruined. I've ruined a bride or two's wedding myself. There. I I still <laughs> I still live with that guilt. Um, <laughs> I wake up in cold sweat sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you do too, Alex. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. now back to the show but you know what that kind of failure fuels me uh (laughs) and shooting the movies that we shoot now which are you know they they're they're big budget they're studio movies there's a lot of pressure uh if you don't get something we're the ones who pay for it in the edit six months later right you can't make a scene work you can't make a transition work and it haunts us for the rest of our lives Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I've been there, man. When you show me like, oh God, why didn't I get that one wide shot or like, one insert? And it you just like, how, me. and how do you cut around? And you're like, and then you don't want to go back and go, we need to pick up that. You don't want to do that. I mean, <laughs> we, you know what though? We, we, we try to never forget the catfish mentality, which was that we can shoot anything. It's on, 
we can make anything happen with the equipment, with our mediocre skills. And that goes for pickups too. So we never say it's impossible and we've managed to figure out something, whether we shoot it in the edit suite or in a friend's garage. Or... I read my mind. I did that on yeah. my first feature. I did that on my first feature. I, there was like a whole scene and I didn't cut any inserts. And we literally nice. just, I literally just went to the edit room, grabbed the same camera, shot an insert of like a dog on a pillow. Cut away. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. We shot stuff. We shot stuff in the editing room for this movie. Did you, know, you we really? Have a, we have, we do it on every movie. I would say like we have a, we have a black magic, uh, 6k, yeah. Yeah, you know, perfect. camera that we just, that just travels with us part of our kit. And so we're, we're in the edit constantly. We'll, we'll be like, ah, I'm going to go shoot that in the hallway right now. And we'll, and usually we do a rough version and then sometimes we even, you know, bring the actors back or bring, bring, get, we get the props in the editing office so we can always, uh, we have a room just like that's full of the props so we can just get inserts, get whatever we need. That it, and now you don't have to bring out a 35 millimeter Panavision camera yeah. and wait a few days to shoot it. You could just pick up that little camera, boom, take that's the card amazing. out and pop it in. Yeah. And now you, you're, you're shooting and you're ready to rock. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you, Matt. So you guys went from Catfish to directing small films like Paranormal Activity 3 and 4, um, <laughs> which did, which were uh, not big budget films. They were actually oh, small, small budgets considering yeah. it's a studio, but they made massive amounts of money. So yeah. what is that? Like, how does the town treat you? What is that experience like? Because I, I know so many filmmakers would love to know what it's like being inside of the of the kind of the hurricane um, or the tornado that is being part of you know those kind of franchises and making that kind of money with those films. Yeah, I mean, making the studio's money is it turns out to be uh, very important. <laughs> <laughs> a key, a key to a career, as you're saying. <laughs> uh, there's a couple ways to cut it, but J J Jason Blum was was yeah. a big fan of Catfish. And he was producing those Paranormals at the time, and there had been Paranormal 2. Uh, and he had seen an early cut of Catfish in New York. He was friends with Jarecki. Uh, and he was like, oh shit, this is a good vibe for found footage. I think he believed us that Catfish was real, oh, which it is, but a lot of people didn't. And so he, he showed it to the crew of Paranormal 2 at Paramount and was like, guys, this is what found footage feels like this is the aesthetic this is the tone imitate this and so by the time they got to paranormal three they were like well why don't you try those goofballs and see if they um have enough have any ideas for paranormal three <laughs> and it turned out the studio uh adam goodman and a couple other big wigs at paramount were convinced it was fake which i think made them even more interested in us um mm -hmm. paranormal being a fake found footage movie uh, and there was nothing we could do to convince them it wasn't. And I think we just kind of looked at each other and just like zip it. Quiet. Buddy. Let, let them think what they need to think. Let's take our first like real paying job. Um, right. And run with it and run with it. And you guys did a great and you guys did a great job with those films. And I imagine I imagine there was a little bit of pressure running into like a very successful franchise at this point. You know, Paranormal 3. I mean, it's not that there wasn't pressure. It was a, it was a pressure cooker, but there was something about. Like Paranormal Three had lower because Paranormal Two did really well, but it did didn't do as well as Paranormal One. It was, I think, seen as sort of a steadily declining franchise. So there was a right. there was, which is pretty normal, I think, unless you know, unless sometimes things pop. But we we were we kind of had a lot of freedom in in Paranormal Activity Three, and had a lot of fun, even though it was like it was this incredibly pro, um, compressed production window. Like we landed in LA six months before the release date. We live in New York and they, and Jason Blum was like, I need you guys to get on the first flight, the 6 a.m. flight tomorrow. And we were like, how long are we gonna go, are we gonna be in LA for? And he was like, six months until the movie comes out. And we landed there and there was no script and there was no cast and there was like, so we went from nothing at all to a movie in the movie theater in six months. And that, that, that's a Jason, that's a Jason. So that's classic Jason, but the the it was it was pretty fun the weirdly paranormal four became higher pressure because paranormal three did so well that then then every the, all eyes were on four and i think it actually made it a less it made it a less fun more kind of constrictive creative environment than three three was like 
so actually our the code name for the movie was summer camp i think and it did kind of feel like summer camp like we were we had this house it was all wired up with lights and like we had the cast everybody was really good at improv and we were just messing around all day you know it's fun i've had jason on the show he is a, f- a force of nature yeah. He's, he's a yeah. force of nature. One of the most entertaining conversations I've yes. ever had on this show. Yeah. He's awesome, dude. Yeah. He's, a, he's a madman. Um, now, is there something that you wish somebody would have told you at the beginning of your career? Like, you guys can go back and tell yourself something like, listen, guys, this is what you really need to do. Be- first of all, get the huh. shot of that. Get the shot of that, of that bride. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> Always make sure one camera is pointed at the bride. Yeah, right. Other than that, is there anything else you wish you would have? Known That's it. That's it. Really, keep a camera on the bride. That pretty much covers everything. Yeah. Um, ben Younger gave us good advice, which I which we took, uh, which was don't wait, don't wait forever after your first feature to make your second feature. Make your second feature as quickly as you possibly can. Don't be precious about it. Don't be precious. Just do. It. Just do it. Yeah. As quickly as you can. And he said he was like, advice we should have taken, which was like, I think when we were at Sundance, we were basking in the attention and like the movie, we were traveling with the movie and stuff like that and doing Q&As. He was like, you should be writing your next movie. You should be figuring out your next movie now. Because yeah. when, the, when, when things die down, you're just going to be sitting there like, what do I do next? You know? Yeah. And you get so caught up in the festivals and all those free dinners and meeting Danny DeVito. <laughs> And you're like, oh, shit, it's been six months and we don't have anything. And it wasn't easy to get another job because Catfish was weird. Right. Stylistically, uh, I think people liked the storytelling and were, were curious, but they weren't like, oh, these let's give these guys uh, like, a, I don't know, a Marvel movie or whatever was whatever you could whatever they were looking for in 2012 or whatever that was. Um and so Paranormal 3 was kind of the only job studio gig that we were really up for uh, because it fit, it matched the style of Catfish so well. So we were really lucky that found footage was still a popular genre at that moment. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would have been a tougher transition out of Catfish. I have to ask you, with all the all that attention you guys got off of not only Catfish, but also when you did it with Paranormal 3, how do you guys keep your egos in check? Because man, that is such a danger in our business. It's like when you start, everyone tells you you're great. It's yeah. tough. It's tough. Do you guys keep your both, both of you guys keep each other in check? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I think we're pretty hard on ourselves. Both of us. Okay. Just, yeah. A little like <laughs> Jewish self-hate. always. Uh, so you so there's, so there's, so there's, impo- there's a lot of imposter syndrome even to this day. Yeah. I think when people are like, Oh, it's really great. I'm like, Rel and I, even when we talk to each other in private, we're like, it's okay, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, it's, it's not really that good. Like, is it it could mean, be it, better. <laughs> like, I think I, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a belief that we can keep getting better. So I don't think we're ever going to say like, that's as good of a film as we can possibly make. Now it's time to relax. It's like, there's always things that we could have improved. There's shots that we could have gotten. We could have storyboarded more. We could have been more prepared. Um, and we'll get them on the next one. Yeah, we'll do better next time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I've talked to so many people on the show that, you know, big, huge, you know, won Oscars and so on, legends. And sometimes I go, do you, do you guys still have imposter syndrome? They're like, yes. I'm like, yeah. really? It's like, but, it's fascinating to me. But it's like, what is the satisfaction we're looking for as filmmakers? Uh, we, you know, so Paranormal 3 was, at the time, the biggest horror opening weekend ever right 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 and we're like whoa okay this feels this feels pretty great we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, 
working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And now back to the show. Um, but the- but like doesn't win an Oscar. Of course not. That not that we were expecting. That. <laughs> no, God, yeah. What I mean, I, I felt that you were robbed. I, I felt you were robbed personally. That's just um, <laughs> best <laughs> documentary. Um, exactly. Or was it like it's not going to the Cannes Film Festival? But a lot of people like it. You know, so it's like you can't really hit every single base with a film. So what is the total satisfaction of filmmakers? Look, I don't know. Right. You just want to feel like you you tried your hardest, right? And look, if if you get a movie made, it's a miracle. If you get a movie finished in the can out to oh. people to watch, it's an absolute miracle every time. Absolutely, yeah. Every, every time, it's so a I huge think, achievement. Oh, it's a massive achievement, especially when you're at that level. When you're in the studio system, even I mean, yeah, you got money and you've got infrastructure and all that stuff, but that that, even, that anything gets even made is a it's is a mystery. Honestly, yeah, it yeah. is. A, it's a total miracle every time. Yeah. Um, and to make a, a coherent movie is even harder. <laughs> right. Like I'm like, like to me, compliments start at like, well, you made the movie. Like that's 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 it. That's where they start. And then it's like, and it's coherent. Yeah. Like <laughs> makes sense. I, I, I understand it. what's happening in it. I finished it's like, it. <laughs> I finished it. Yeah. yeah. But like no, for right. you to say your kids finished the movie. Whether they liked it or didn't like it, like it made that's a sense. Win. That's them. a win. That's a win. Yeah, for, it for, is so hard. It's we a miracle guy, just to shoot remember? day one on a movie, just to get to the point where the operation, the small business or the yes. big business, yeah. has has come together, has come to life. It's standing on its legs. It's been yep. a year. It's been two years. Whatever it is, it's now. There's a hundred people standing there. A lot of money's on the line, and a camera's rolling. It's like amazing. That's a miracle. Yeah, w- without question. And. And then, you know, so you go on to do, you know, viral with Jason again, uh, which was awesome. And um, Nerve, which was such a unique, uh, I love Nerve. Like the the way that way you shot it, the idea behind it, there was a lot of layers to that onion, which was really great. Uh, but then you make a movie like Project Power, which is a, a slight jump in budget since Catfish. It's, like, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's a slight budget jump. It's about so a now- thousand times more. <laughs> So you're now working on a essentially a mini tentpole movie or a tentpole movie for Netflix, and you're working with an Oscar winner and a massive movie star like Jamie Foxx. Uh, when you walk on the set, how do you guys deal with the pressure of that? Because you know, look, you're like, oh, I made I did Paranormal, that's at five million. I did Paranormal four or five million, and yeah, you've definitely jumped up in budget with the other films that you did. But even from Nerve. I mean, Project Power is a huge jump for you guys. So how did you guys deal with the pressure of just having that on you with an Oscar winner like Jamie Foxx, you know, yeah. a legend like him and all that stuff? How did you guys deal with it? Man? Besides Xanax? <laughs> <laughs> Cocaine, lots and lots. Yeah, uppers and downers. Exactly. Uh, I, you, you know, we never really talk about this, Henry, but the moment on day one where we we always give a a, a speech to the crew you know sure. there's a hundred people standing around something motivational like like a coach might do in a great football movie uh and there's such a pit of anxiety and nervousness in my chest um like it makes me feel like i'm in high school and i've got to speak to the whole school yeah. in, in the auditorium or i don't know if you guys ever jumped off a trapeze when you were a kid mm-hmm. and you look over where did you toes. go to school <laughs> that wasn't the school Hogwarts. that was the <laughs> Uh, and so, so, I mean, that's the pressure, right? That is pressure, which is everyone staring at us. I feel like a kid. I don't know how, how old they see me as or how experienced they think we are, but I feel like, like we're not supposed to be here. And security. 
<laughs> yeah. And yeah. we need to prove to them that we know what we're doing. We're comfortable and we're in charge and they can turn, they can look at us as confident leaders. Well, is there, I mean, that brings up a great point is a lot of times is when, especially when you're young directors or even when you're not that young, if they just don't know what you've done before, how do you deal with the politics of the set? Like crew, like, you know, when you've got that, you know, 60, 60 or 70 year old DP who's been around right. is like when I worked with Coppola and on the Godfather, yeah. like, and, and then you're like, what are you doing? And like, and you have to kind of come <laughs> up against like, I want to shoot it this way. You're like, yeah, no, that's not the way we're going to shoot Dude, like, the, How do you deal with that? One of the special, the special effects guy on Project Power <laughs> built the rock in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, the right. boulder. Yes. Awesome. You know? Like and we see that on me and we're like, it's an rock. honor to meet you. <laughs> so, so yeah, exactly. And, I, and I've had I've had the opportunity to work with these kind of people like that too. You're like, you know, the 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 guy who built the boulder on Ra Raiders Law, he's probably done a few things in his yeah. career. Yeah. So but we come at it with a lot of lot of love. Like we're movie fans, so we're just like, you worked on Honey I Shrunk the Kids? Like what? what was that? <laughs> how did you build the giant the, ant? Or, or the Oreo? Like how did you like Yeah, this? Well, that was awesome. <laughs> um <laughs> But like, I don't know, we, I learned a lot from Mike Simmons, who has been our cinematographer many times, just about he has this great way of dealing with people and, and not offending people. And he does like he there are a couple of mannerisms like he always says, um, I assume this he'll be he'll go up to people and be like, I assume that you're putting these lights up because we need this to come to the side. Like, it's not like why the fuck are you putting these over here? It's like, he'll be like, I like he'll say his understanding of things. Like that's really helpful. And like, I think just being, being respectful and, be and nice. like just being be nice, nice and being, man. you know, and, and giving people like, uh, you know, I mean, we're not experts in, in everything. We're really experts in nothing, you know? And like we hire at people who are experts in things who are, who know a lot more, have a lot more experience, are better, you know. And it's it's like letting letting that experience, uh, learning from that, you know. Um, but we have been lucky a bunch of times, like on Paranormal Three, and I think with Jamie Fox on Project Power, we were sort of seen as these like on Three. They were like, well, these guys are kind of renegades. Like they made Catfish, and like Catfish was our reference film for the for Paranormal Two. So like maybe you guys can like show us a thing or two. Um, Jamie Foxx was like just the greatest person to work with. And and he's like, he's like, I trust you guys. I've seen your stuff. Like, show me the way. Tell, you know, tell me what to do. I trust nice. your taste. I think you guys are really cool. And I think he gave us credit of being much cooler than we actually are. But like, <laughs> you know, I can, we haven't had that experience where it's the opposite of that with a movie star where it's someone who's, who's, guarded and suspicious and doesn't you know because like that that trust relationship has to be there for everybody so it's it's if, establishing that making sure it's there yeah if i if he, i make if i may quote the uh the greatest action film of all time uh patrick Swayze roadhouse uh be nice mm -hmm. <laughs> be nice you know <laughs> it's yeah. amazing I, I know so sometimes we hear things people be like wow you guys are really nice directors and we're like how what are the other guys like oh oh <laughs> But yeah, but here's here's the sympathy I have for an asshole director or the empathy. Um, there's so much on the line for us on a movie that mm -hmm. everything that happens, every decision that gets made, everything that's in the movie sort of gets blamed on us, blamed or attributed to. Uh, if you're working on the movie, you can kind of like move on as long as your reputation is solid. You can get your next job. Like our next job kind of depends on how this movie does mm -hmm. and so that we feel that pressure every day and i think maybe some directors are like i need everyone else to feel that pressure why aren't right. they feeling the same pressure i'm feeling right now and they explode and they go berserk and that actually is not conducive to yeah. a, a, good, a, good good a good situation i mean yeah exactly i think you guys in the next film should show up with monocles and uh <laughs> and uh and, uh, and uh, with a megaphone a megaphone now, now Henry, me. If, if there's one thing I think you're an expert at, hopefully there's more than one thing. Huh. It's quilt, <laughs> uh, quilt making, which well, is how to arrange this uh, tapestry of experts. 
and to get all those squares in the quilt to match and to make an, an overall piece. Thanks. Yeah. You're talking <laughs> about people or actual quilts? Actual quilts, yeah. Actual quilts. I mean, oh, as a director, you I can show you my my quilt making. Home goods. It's very nice. <laughs> well, Home tell goods. me. So, tell me about your new film, A Secret Headquarters. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's our first. It's our first movie that kids can watch. Right. I was about to say it, 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 yeah. on, on your. I was on thinking your like filmography. Yeah. Doesn't seem yeah. that this was a match for your. It's a PG. Yeah, it's a it's a PG movie. It's a family movie. Uh, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now back to the show. It's really fun. It's actually something that we've wanted to make. It's been on our bucket list for a long time is to make a movie that reminds us of the movies that made us fall in love with movies as kids, you mm -hmm. know? So it kind of, it, yeah, what it were your feels, inspirations? Yeah. What was your inspiration Jer for this? Well, Jerry Bruckheimer, when we first talked to him about this, um, which was a wild experience, he was like, uh, I've got this thing. It's, it's, uh, it's home alone in the back cave. It's called secret headquarters home alone in the back cave. And we were like, say no more. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Add me at we're, hello. <laughs> we're in. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's it's about um it's about a kid. It's kind of a it's a superhero movie, but it's from the it's from the perspective of the son of the superhero. And what would it be like to be, you know, Iron Man's son, but he never told you he's a superhero and you think he's just working all the time. But actually, he's got this incredible secret headquarters under his house full of gadgets and and uh, you know, and awesome cars and stuff like that. And he's zipping off all over the world, saving the world. Meanwhile, you're at home thinking your dad's like a nerd who, uh, who's just like fixing people's servers. <laughs> and we, we, it just like really got, got our imaginations going. And we were just like, this would be my favorite movie when I was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, everything about out, it. If, you came yeah. out in the, if this film came out in like the 80s, it would be up there with like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or, mm. you know, those kind of or never ending story or those kind yeah. of, yeah. those kind of fun, fun films. And I was watching it. I mean, I definitely. Nine and a half weeks. Obviously, nine and a half weeks and half uh, weeks, Two Moon yeah, Junction. Sure. Two, two mm -hmm. Moon Junction. Uh, <laughs> well. But I, when I was watching it, you know, you can, there's a little bit of Spy Kids flown oh, around mm -hmm. in there. You could sense that. The, the DNA of, of, of Spy Kids in there as well. Yeah, sure. um, but there's a lot of that. Just, just so much. It was a lot of fun. And Owen must have been a ball to work with. Oh, what He's so sweet, great. What a sweet guy. What a yeah. good-natured collaborator. Yeah. Is he, yeah is he, he pretty much like he is in, in his He's character? like what he is. He's, he's like how he is. I think he's even kinder than you think he yeah. would be. And um, you forget what a great writer he is. Like he wrote. Oh, yeah. He co-wrote. You know, Royal Tenenbaums and Rushmore and Bottle Rocket. Like when he's when we had rehearsals with him, we got into these uh, dialogue riffs mm -hmm. and would we and we would just write it down. And we and then we'd go home that night and we'd rewrite the scene and we'd send it to him. And he was like, you know, and we'd pop we'd pop it back and forth. Like that's that was such a fun experience to have with an now, actor. Now, as directors, we all have that day on set 
that is like you feel the entire world's gonna come crashing down around you you losing the sun camera breaks <laughs> actor breaks his ankle whatever uh it generally it's every day something like this happens but yeah, was there one day. moment on that film that was like oh my god what was that moment and how did you guys get through it yeah henry i don't know if you i think i just realized today i was going through pictures what the one of the biggest problems was i mean there's always money problems but what was it? there's a huge prop slash character in the movie and it's the g-mobile oh it's, yeah it's oh, a retrofitted right. 69 volkswagen yeah. bus that owen wilson's character has turned into like a superhero crime fighting truck mm -hmm. uh and it wasn't ready and it was in it's scenes like... across the movie like big action car chase scenes and the guys who were building it weren't done and it was shooting in like two days and it was so far from done and we kept pushing like, it back remember we were like it was in the schedule and we'd be like well we'll shoot this side of the scene now and then in a month we'll shoot this side of the scene because the thing is supposed to be in the background yeah i mean just like but, imagine if they didn't have the batmobile um, it doesn't it doesn't yeah obviously and, and the schedule is so fragile you know especially mm -hmm. with movie stars like owen and uh and he's shooting loki and you know it's all like happening at the same time uh, and we're at the point where like the studio and the line producer, everyone's like, well, you need to be ready to erase the G-Mobile from the, the whole concept from the movie, but you've already <laughs> shot many scenes where it exists before it gets retrofitted when it's just a VW bus. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, I mean, we re you really sweat that out. We had staked our, our, our reputations on this vehicle. Like we, like, I remember we were kind of dying on our swords about it because there was a lot of pressure even before that to cut it, um, to completely cut it from the movie. And we were like, no, just because there was a cannot, chance. there can't be a superhero movie without, you know, like a superhero vehicle. And that's just, it just, ha it has to, we have to have that. And it was kind of all, it was on us. I remember pulling the picture car guy aside at one point and I was like, listen, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> You you got your like, toughest your toughest act. <laughs> I was like, listen, <laughs> I tried. To, I'm going to try to say this in a really nice way, but like, if this thing isn't ready, we're never going to work again. <laughs> he was like, oh god. All right, let me this see. Isn't, if, if this isn't ready by tomorrow, guys, uh, yeah. I know where you, I know where you live. Yeah, okay. yeah it's, <laughs> it's our part. <laughs> you know, we do like a good cop, bad cop thing sometimes, where I'll say to the guy, "Hey, buddy, I believe in you. You got this." And then just walk away and uh, Henry will sidle over and be like, what he means to say. <laughs> is <laughs> it, you know, and, and it's always fascinating to me that even on some on big budget films like this, shit happens. Oh, okay. God. By the skin of your teeth. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like so those indie sensibilities never kind of go away. You you sometimes mm -hmm. gotta like, how am I gonna make this work? The damn truck. The picture car is not ready, yeah. which you would think that on a budget of this size and this kind of kind of size project, that that would be the least of your issues. Yeah, you think? One, yeah, one would think. <laughs> one, one would think. I mean, now, what, uh, when is this no, coming we out? Haven't, we have yet to work on that movie that's like has such a big budget that you can, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. I don't know if that really exists. All, one day you'll hear this this sentence. All you have is time and money, guys. So enjoy yourselves. Like, right, then you'll yeah, never. Right. That's a sentence that no filmmaker has ever heard ever. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> no matter who you are, maybe Chris yeah. Nolan. Maybe Chris Nolan. Yeah. Gets maybe that conversation. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he gets that conversation. Now, when's this coming out, guys? It comes uh, out week. August twelfth. Mm. August twelfth. That next week? Yeah. Oh, that's in a little more than a week. Yeah. Yeah. On Paramount on, Plus. On, uh, Paramount Plus. Now I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask all of my guests. What advice would you give a filmmaker trying to break into the business today? Say yes to any yes. project offered to you. Do and not point don't the camera those. at the bride. <laughs> you read my right. mind. <laughs> at least one camera <laughs> at all times. Okay. No, just because a lot of times we get a little uppity as filmmakers and just like, no, I'm I'm the next Spielberg. I'm the next Tarantino. I don't do weddings. You know, yeah, what? I don't I don't see why not. A wedding is built in drama. I mean, look at a wedding <laughs> as a documentary yeah. um, about people on a really important day with a lot of pressure uh, and right. all family. I mean, some of the greatest movies, it's a genre of filmmaking, which is the family gathering, the reunion, um, you know, like the big chill or something like that. Or, uh, 
Rachel Getting Married. Those are great movies. You have an opportunity. Someone's paying you to make a documentary about that. That's the way we approached it. And it was it was great training. Yeah. yeah I mean, practice, just... practice, 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 practice. Man, any job that came along, man, I would take it. I didn't care what it was. It was like, you're going to pay me to edit? I'll, I'll work. You're going to pay me to shoot? I'll do it. It's just. Yeah. And sometimes it's great. Yeah. A lot of, t- a lot of times it isn't. But at least you're not out there hustling another job and you get to at least work on your craft. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Most of them weren't great. Yeah. No, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> now, they were terrible. <laughs> now, what is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether in the film industry or in life? Um, change my socks midday. Hmm. I don't know what, what I was waiting for. That was a good one. Even change your shoes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We bring two pairs of shoes to set now. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah, freshen up. <laughs> Those are long I, days. I'll tell yeah. you what. The, uh, they it's a great feeling. Teach, they never teach you this in film school. Good shoes on set. Good shoes. On yeah. set. Because I'm, I'm always on my feet. I don't know about you guys. I'm always, yeah. I, I rarely. Oh, all day. You know, rarely sit down. I like, when I sit down, I'm like, oh, God, I, I can't get back up. I just so I keep going. You got to keep moving. Yeah, totally, man. I think Doug, Doug Lyman does not accept a director's chair on his sets. Wow. Because he, re- he refuses to ever sit down on set. Uh, and there's I, a few I, directors I've heard that don't allow chairs at all. Yeah, there's a, there's a few, I mean, and then there's and don't the allow J- cell phones. And then there's the Peter Jacksons who have a recliner. On set, <laughs> a lot, a lot, that's a what Lord, I'm talking about. A Lord of the Rings, they would just literally carry around a lazy boy. <laughs> he would just sit down. It was the best. I awesome. saw him. Apparently, uh, the, the room we cut Project Power in on Sixth Avenue in New York City was the room that Oliver Stone cut something in. Henry, remember? Yeah. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And now back to the show. He had a, a leather recliner brought into that edit room that he just loved. Listen, uh, I've, had, I've had Oliver on the, on the show. And, oh, man, uh, lucky you. And he was uh, one of the most interesting conversations I've ever had in my entire he life. He is so smart. Oh my God, he is, he's so, so smart. And, and, I t- and I tell people this all the time, and you guys, I think you guys would agree, uh, there is not another 10-year period in any filmography like Oliver Stone's. From Platoon. From, from Platoon, to every, a movie a year, and yeah. everyone was like, Oscar, Oscar. Incredible. It, yeah. Oscar. It, it's just, there's just nobody that's ever had a run like that. It's, yeah. Yeah, well, Co- Coppola's run is pretty solid too. Well, you know, you know, he's all right. He did okay. He did. <laughs> I would rec- I recommend Oliver Stone's book is really great. Oh yeah, and that's why he was especially on the show. especially listening to it on uh, on tape or on Audible. Like he has such a great voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's I a great audio book. Yeah, it's a great audio book. It's a. Great I love uh, film filmmaker audiobooks. That's yeah, great. we loved uh, Barry Sonnenfeld's book, dude. 
I got when we when we get off, I'll tell you the story. Uh, I had Barry on the show too, and in the first five minutes, he told me his porn story of how he got started in porn. Ugh. I'll tell you that. Story oh my god, it's too. That chapter is like I think oh, it's you, in oh, the you, book. Oh, it's in the book, right? You, yeah, it's in the book. That. That's disgusting. The first five minutes of our conversation, <laughs> he's that's what he starts with. I'm like, okay, Barry, I guess uh, you've set the tone it. now. Porn, man. That's how I got my start. Porn, and then well, but the, but he, in the book, he's talking about how he started, and he said yes to everything. And yeah, uh, yeah. he had to pay his camera off. He had to pay a sixty millimeter camera yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. He Which, did it by the way, maybe a little longer than he needed to. Well, by, by the way, that porn paid uh, half half the camera off in a week. So yeah, I mean, and then he shoots up uh, blood. Totally sample. worth it. Blood sample from a party that he met this you know, tall, you know, thin guy in the corner who wasn't talking to anybody. He's like, hey, I got a camera. Hey, you want to shoot something? Great. And that's how his career starts. Yeah. Um, but it was just the sizzle reel for blood sample. Yeah, that's it was a sizzle reel. It was which you don't reel. get paid to do. No. And, but then he got that. And then yeah. I think Raising Arizona. And it, oh, God. The, oh, what a great conversation. What a, what a great career. And last question. Three of your favorite films of all time. The Big Lebowski. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it stops there. Big Lebowski. That's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Big Lebowski, uh, the Gray Man, and uh, Red Notice. <laughs> <laughs> very strategic answer, sir. Very, very um, strategic. <laughs> what else? I mean, no, I find that I find that to be the hardest question. Am I still allowed to say Woody Allen movies? I nope. look, man. <laughs> Look, Annie Hall is still Annie Hall, brother. I'm sorry. Annie Hall, I'm, so, I'm yeah. sorry. Annie Hall is still Annie Hall. I don't. I mean, it's, it's still Forget a masterpiece, it. man. It's a freaking yeah. masterpiece, man. It's you a know? masterpiece. You know what? Uh, I, but if you're, if it's, there's got to be a Kubrick movie in there, which there probably should be. Barry Lyndon. No, mm. you like Barry? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like and it's not just to be different. Mine's is <laughs> mine's is eyes wide shut. I'm I'm a, I'm an eyes wide shut guy. Oh, because you're a pervert. I'm a. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I say Obvi- Barry Sonnenfeld episode. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, obviously I'm a pervert. That's why I love uh, I so Oh no, we could talk hours on Kubrick alone. Yeah. Jesus, man, talk about somebody who just had all like did whatever the hell he wanted. Yeah. But but the legends after I've talked to a bunch of people who worked with him, he's like he had a set of like ten people. Yeah, that's how, that's how he was able to shoot for a year with Tom Cruise. <laughs> he had ten people on set. Yeah, who really wow. believed in him. Uh, and we're like soldiers in his in his army. He locked up two of the biggest movie stars in the world for a year and a half. I mean, what kind of juice is that? Like, seriously? Yeah. I yeah. mean, Jesus. Guys, it has been a pleasure talking to you both. So Thank fun. So and congratulations on all your success. I can't wait to see uh, what you guys come up with next. And what do you guys have cooking next, by the way? Did I see something about did I see something about Me- Mega Man? Yeah, yeah. Mega Man, writing, yeah. Uh, Mega Man, an adaptation of Mega Man for Netflix. God bless that. Yeah, Please. cool, right? About like Please. the future of automation. Um, nice. Yeah. It's going to be really cool. And man and robot becoming one, good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, we'll see. Been, yeah. It has been an absolute pleasure, guys. Con- yeah. Seriously, con- congrats on all your success and continue, uh, continue success to you. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for all the hustle. Thanks so much. I want to thank Rel and Henry so much for coming on the show and sharing their journey with the tribe today. Thank you so much, guys. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, including how to watch Secret Headquarters, their new film for Paramount+, Plus, head over to the show notes at, at bulletproofscreenwriting.tv forward slash 226. Thank you so much for listening, guys. As always, keep on writing no matter what. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast at BulletproofScreenwriting.tv. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.